What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, and our latest review is coming uh, for Hellboy 2 in the Golden Army, released in 2008, was a follow-up to Hellboy, and a movie that, just like the first one, if you listened to that review, I was not entirely uh, caught up on, so to speak. I, I didn't really remember a lot of it, so it was kind of like a first watch through again. Is it better? Is it worse? Is it the same? That's that's what we're here to talk about. And to do that, Rob, welcome back. Um, we're, we're pretty busy here in, in the month of November, and we're, we're rolling along robust schedule that uh when when you released it i was really really excited about what uh, what we have planned so yeah it's going to be a busy november and uh, while you're finishing up all of your fall chores outside you know raking leaves uh putting together thanksgiving dinner whatever decorating uh getting ready for family to come over go ahead and just you know binge matt goes to the movies while you're doing all that it'll help you pass the time we got a ton of content for you yeah uh you know Obviously, you listen to this episode, uh, Hellboy 2. We're going to do the 2019 release of Hellboy, uh, followed by John Wick, which just released the trailer for John Wick 4. That officially came out today. Uh, Rob, I don't know if you've seen that, but I got to see it once at home and then once on the big screen when I went and saw uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever today. So uh, that trailer certainly looked interesting, and we're going to cap it off with uh, the Cloverfield series. And and Rob, I know that you said you've never seen John Wick. Have you seen any of the Cloverfield movies, or will these the next two series that we're doing, will these be all first-time viewings? So have not seen John Wick, you're correct, and very much like the Jason Bourne series. It's weird that I haven't seen them because it's one of those ones that like I want to see these movies. I just have never really sat down and forced myself to do it. Uh, I have seen the first Cloverfield, the one that's kind of the, the monster with the found camera footage style, and I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm looking forward to revisiting it. And I've seen a piece of the second one, but that's it. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see your thoughts on on those movies. Um, but with, with Hellboy 2, um, before we get into that, Rob, I'm going to ask you a question. This came out in 2008. Do you know how many superhero movies or comic book movies came out in 2008? Ooh, okay, so this is pre-MCU. Um, oh, is it? Wait, is it? Wait, Iron Man was two thousand eight or was it two thousand nine? It's two thousand and eight. Okay, so Iron Man's two thousand eight, and then depending on how you look at the Spider Man trilogy that's now being lumped into the MCU and the X Men trilogy or X Men series, it's now kind of being lumped in with the MCU because of all the diverging timelines. Uh, I'm gonna go. Man, I don't think DC had anything that year. Two including this so i'm going to give them to you in order of box office so in two in 2008 there were eight comic book properties oh my god i was way off that were released uh number one the dark knight was released uh iron man was second on the list third surprisingly maybe not because this is when he was still a very very popular megastar hancock was third overall for comic book properties for the box office the incredible hulk was released in 2008 as well 
that came in at number four. Hellboy 2 was five. There was the spoof superhero movie. There was the spirit. And then there was the, well, I don't know. Some people might say it was better. But uh, I think the god-awful sequel, uh, Punisher Warzone, were the eight Mm -hmm. movies that came out in 2008 for comic book properties. You know what's funny is we just take everything for granted now with the MCU, but there was this period, you know, Spider-Man was good. Most of the Fox X-Men run was good. I say most. Some of it was incredible. Some of it was absolute garbage. But wow, there's that period of time where you get like random Fantastic Four movies that were terrible. You get Daredevil in the early to mid 2000s. It was terrible. Um, a lot of people don't like the third blade movie. I kind of dig it just FYI. Um, yeah, there's just like these random like superhero movies that are all dusted in there that we completely forget. Cause the only thing anybody really cares about is the MCU and you know, whatever DC is trying to salvage of its connected universe. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, geez. Maybe we have to do the blade movies at some point. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, that was, uh, uh, I found it like, I don't know why I was just like researching it and I was like, wow, this came out the same time that the dark Knight did. It actually came out the week before the dark Knight hit theaters. That's a that's terrible uh, timing on the studios part. They needed to get way out in front of that. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Hancock. When's the last time you even thought about that movie? You know, it's it, today. <laughs> and before that, probably a very very long time. I have not thought about that movie. Um, I do remember enjoying it though. But again, that was yeah. you know, it's it, not a bad movie. No, it's good. And it it was it has no impact it was still you know that that time frame where will smith was still a very likable bankable star um maybe not so much there was a period of time yeah i mean he's got himself in a little bit of trouble lately but there was a period of time where you could make the case he was the most oh, yeah. bankable biggest star in hollywood yeah he was he was mr july 4th he was mr box office you you couldn't have him in something besides wild wild west without it being a hit like and even that i mean box office wise it it was okay it ended up losing because word of mouth was like no this is garbage don't like the people that saw it on its initial run like they suffered enough nobody else has to do that um (laughs) but yeah um but hellboy 2 was it as good as the first was it better than the first um Let's let's talk about that. Um, we're going to get into that first. And, you know, the one thing that struck me right off the bat with this, and I wasn't, it was just like the first one, though, where I was a little skeptical rewatching this because, boy, um, the, the opening title could have been Hellboy 2 and the power of exposition because we get that bedtime story about the Golden Army. And I was a little nervous. Um, at the start of this movie. I don't, I don't know how you felt about that, Rob, but I, I don't know. There's just something about going back and seeing movies like this that were around in this period where that, that was still a major thing. It, it got me a little bit nervous to start. Um, quick shout out to the opening credits with the mechanized sort of gears and things like that, that all came together. That was cool. That was like super cool, uh, particularly as you get into the Golden Army later on. I, I really enjoyed that. 
Um, I, I think because this is actually the first time I've seen this, the, the little bit longer exposition at the beginning didn't bother me, although it is notable that, you know, and we talk about this pretty regularly, when you binge whole series of films, there's definitely like things you pick up on and things you notice um, that you wouldn't necessarily if you just kind of watch them in real time as they release in theaters. And I think that's one of the ones that stood out to me is uh, we praised the first movie for kind of like just getting right to it, not trying mm-hmm. to explain too much to us. Like the audience, you'll, you'll pick it up as you go. Like there's just this is just weird. Just have fun with it. Um, and, and you'll kind of just assume everything you need to know as you go. This one, it did take a little bit longer to get started, although I do sort of, I, I do like seeing a young Hellboy with his father figure. You know, I did enjoy seeing that, you know, him as kind of a preteen, 11 or 12 years old or whatever it is. Although I think, you know, obviously they've got like a mouth um, prosthetic in there and, and some of the dialogue didn't necessarily sync up to his, his mouth real well, I didn't think. Um, but I, I sort of dig that when he's asking for a bedtime story, it's a story about war and destruction. Right. I just kind of thought that was a neat touch. Yeah, no, I, I did enjoy, like, again, it was kind of cool because I did like that father-son di- uh, dynamic from the first movie, and it was cool to see that again. Um, but I will say, any doubts that I had quickly went away. I, I did, you know, once this movie starts, I, I did find myself liking it and again that's that's part of the charm of ron perlman is hellboy there are some things though that that definitely bother me um with this movie and i wanted to get those out of the way for the most part because it's in the beginning i wanted to get your thoughts why does it always seem like we have to get you know liz and hellboy why does their relationship have to have some sort of turmoil in it? Like, does this movie honestly benefit from anything of the the, the back and forth that they kind of have throughout the movie? Because I don't think it does, and I, I don't understand why it was necessary. It just it felt like one of those tropes that these movies tend to have. Um, and again, it does not ruin the movie, because I, I do enjoy this movie. But it just felt weird. It, it felt like it offered actually nothing to this movie. So I'm going to agree with you, but if if I have to play devil's advocate and take the other side, um, when she does reveal later on that she's pregnant, um, I, I think you I think building in a reason why she doesn't tell him at first, although you can write around that in a lot of other ways. She doesn't know how to tell him like, you know, it's just it, right now they need to focus on the mission. Like you can probably write it that way. So I'm already kind of killing my own kid. <laughs> Um, you know, I think that was the choice they made to kind of drag that reveal out a little bit longer. Um, although I, again, I think you can do some other things with it. It really didn't add much. I didn't like, I didn't like that at the beginning. Like I kind of wanted to see the continuation of where they were. I didn't want to see them as like an old married couple just yelling at each other from other rooms where, you know, you spend half of your life as a married person just yelling, what? What? At least in my house, that's, that's how it works. Um, you know, so I, it didn't add anything to it. I I think you could have done other things. I think it kind of dragged the movie out a little bit. It created kind of an unnecessary subplot that didn't really go anywhere and didn't tell us anything new about the characters. You could have just had these two have been madly in love and it would have been just as effective. Yeah. Like it just felt like, and there's some other movies that do this too, where whatever happened in the first movie, like all of a sudden the relationship 
like all of the goodwill that's been built up. Like they did this from Batman Forever to Batman and Robin. Like by the end of Batman Forever, they're a team. Like Bruce lets Robin in, you know, lets him choose his own path, and they're going to be partners. And then in Batman and Robin, like they're just at each other again. Like it's really odd how movies have to like do that back and forth. I also really kind of laughed at the fact that during the mission, when they're trying to, uh, when they're going, not a uh, shoot. Is it, was it troll city? I, what, where did they go underground? Oh yeah. I think it's the troll. Yeah. City. yeah um, you could tell that's where she was going to tell him. Cause she's like, I have something to tell you. And it's like, you know, it's not the time right now while they're walking around trying to do this mission. Like, why do you, why does everybody always do that? Like, why would you think it's now to tell him? Yeah. Um, that feels like, it just feels like uh, an obvious kind of like, Hey, you, the audience, you're watching a movie. Right. Like, and it's for as much fun as this movie is, um, there, there are a few moments like that. And, and I would say there's, there's only a few moments where it's kind of like, why don't you do that? Right. And that's why I wanted to get those out of the way because it's that. And then the other moment too is the, the need to kind of be secretive ab- about this agency and about Hellboy. And I don't know if I'm missing something, but I, I thought I understood it pretty clear. You know, they... Um, uh, the bald guy. I, I forget the character's name now. That's that's kind of in command where he's talking about how like he doesn't like. He argues about being in command all the time. Yes, but like he doesn't like me. You know, he wants it to be secretive, but yet number one, when um you're at the auction, the humans react. You know, like the everyday normal people react a little too casual, kind of like they did in the in the first one for a couple of things um, to this warrior prince who shows up with this giant goblin monster with a rock hand. uh, Well, actually, a mechanical hand. Uh, They don't to me, they don't act as terrified as they should. And then when Hellboy like bursts out of the window, they're like, Hellboy, like what was the need for the scene of like, you know, be covert. You got to do something for me. It just, it felt weird and out of place. Like it was, it was weird editing. Like there was maybe more scenes that were cut. Yeah. So the, the thing I immediately thought about and it, and I kind of got a little bit of a vibe from this on the last film. Um, so this unit, this BPRD has been around since, you know, a period in the forties, right? I don't remember the exact year it started, but you know, the, the early to mid forties and they've been active all through the end of the war. They've been, they were active through the cold war and, and they continue to have missions. Otherwise they wouldn't have all this gear. So Mm -hmm. how is it possible that they're fighting monsters of the size that you see them fight all the time that get out into the public regularly that blow things up and cause the kind of damage they cause and yet they're still trying to convince us that they need to keep his identity a secret. Uh, it's, it's not anywhere near as bad as trying to pretend in Transformers that an entire city didn't just watch giant right. alien robots smash things apart, which, by the way, dear listener, if you'd like to hear Matt and my thoughts on the Transformers series, head over to our friend Harrison's show on The Basement Binge for a, t- hold, uh, a whole recap of that entire series. Um, back to this, but yeah, it's... It does. It's not as bad as that, 
but it's approaching it and it seems kind of like ridiculous and i'm not sure you know again thinking back to things that add something to this movie and things that don't what's the benefit like what's what's the advantage to the story of them still pretending that the organization is secret right like i don't i don't think that that's a benefit to the story it just seems kind of almost insulting to the audience to make us believe that they've been able to keep all this a secret um, this whole time. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's another thing that I'm like, why, why even bother? Yeah. And really that's, those are only my two, like, those are my two points about this movie that I kind of was like, all right, I'm not really a fan of that, but you, you backtrack to that same scene at the auction where Prince, uh, Rob, how do you say his name? Uh, Nadu? Nuada, where, where Prince Nuada takes the crown. I like that scene a lot. I actually like him a lot. Uh, we'll get into I, you know, what I think is a really cool fighting style and actually really good fights in, in this movie. Uh, I also like the fact that when you think about the concept of that auction and what happens, it's really kind of dark. They don't show it, but the simple fact of when they're walking through that auction after the attack and Abe is like, have you noticed the floor and Hellboy like he picks up his foot. That's all human, like guts all over the, like you realize that that is like all human remains all over that floor. And it's like, damn, that's, that's pretty dark. Like that sucks. Like these, like these guys got slaughtered in here by these little tooth fairy creatures that he unleashed. Yeah, so uh, one of the criticisms I had about the first movie is that it worked really well when it leaned into the weird. Mm-hmm. Um, this this one definitely does that. Yep. It, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I, I find this movie to be a more effective film for me than the first oh, movie. Oh, definitely. I agree. Not, not tipping my hand till, uh, you know, for my popcorn time review just yet, but um, I think there's a lot of the things that didn't work about the first one that either don't exist in this one or they exist at a much smaller scale in this. And I think the things that I liked about the first one, they really ramped up. I mean, we don't get really as much of the alternate history, but we get cool creature designs. We get more creatures, mm-hmm. we get more characters. We get great weapon and character designs. We get just a lot of really, really cool, unique, creative stuff that you go, wow, somebody came up with that. That person is kind of awesome, you know, like, and, and, you get that scene that you're talking about that is, you know, it is pretty dark and it's effective. Um, yeah. So as we're watching this the other night, my kids were like, daddy, tell me when this is over. They were because cool. <laughs> <laughs> that part, you're right. It, it, it's, it's pretty dark and pretty messed up, but, uh, but very effective. And the creature design there, um, you know, they're almost like flying piranhas. Really. Yeah. The fact that they kind of came up with the, the bone material was, was sort of unique. We really haven't seen that before. Um, so yeah, I, I really dug that overall, the, the, like I mentioned, the weapon and creature designs again in this movie shine, just like they did in the first one. Um, love the, the kind of the rocket launcher wrecking ball mm-hmm. thing. That's, that's, that's a cool thing. And the way that he uses it is really pretty cool too. Yeah, no, I thought the, the creature designs in this were absolutely fantastic. I was, I was really impressed with the visuals. I really like the look of the golden army. And I even really like the look of, you know, even though it was a lot of exposition and dialogue, I did like the opening kind of like not animated, like, you know, slightly above like pencil drawing 
intro that we got. I, I really like the the direction of this movie. Um, and I thought it was really good. I thought the goal, you know, I think the, the golden army looks fantastic. Um, you know, even again, just the characters in general, just seeing a lot of, of Abe on screen who like, I absolutely love in this movie. It all looks really well. It, it's very well portrayed on screen, which adds to it because, you know, we've talked about this in other movies, Rob, where the CGI or, you know, the the actual backgrounds of a movie can really take you out of it and distract you from what is potentially like maybe good dialogue, a good story, but you're just so focused on, God, this looks like garbage that it distracts you. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that this is not the case for this movie. Not at all. And again, it's, it's, it's choosing the right way to shoot and light scenes, mm-hmm. and choosing when to use those special effects. You almost never have full daylight or super bright lighting when you need this stuff. So the darkness and the, and the proper amount of lighting covers the prosthetics. It covers the practical effects that might've looked a little foamy or a little rubbery or when the CG looked a little cartoony, you know, that's the right way to do it. And it fits with the movie like this. It, it really does. And you know, this, this first mission that they go on, it's successful, but not in the way that the, you know, this, this agency wanted it to be successful because Hellboy exposes himself again, it, little weird because everybody's like oh hey hellboy like they just run up to him and interview him um but the fact that this mission does not go the way that it you know that they want it to uh forces the agency's hand to bring in another superior and i'm going to use that to actually bring in a giveaway before we continue to talk about hellboy 2 and listeners i i want you to know i am still working uh, with Map360 to get uh, actual physical copies of Top Gun Maverick. So if you listen to the the Hellboy episode, uh, just know that that giveaway is still coming. But we have another giveaway at Matt Goes to the Movies, which is all in digital code form. So we do have those available. So listeners, if you want a digital copy, um, Download this episode, check out the show notes, and we will tell you how to get them. But the movie that you will have access to stars Ben Foster and Academy Award winner Michael Caine in the action-packed epic medieval now streaming on Redbox. The sweeping saga of war and betrayal inspired by the true story of one of the greatest warriors in history. A daring mercenary fights for freedom against corrupt kings as they battle for control of the Roman Empire. Stream Medieval instantly on Redbox On Demand, rated R from Paramount Pictures. So thank you to Matt360 for sponsoring this portion of the show. And thank you listeners for your continued support. So we will get those codes out to the winners as we announce them. But Rob, as as Krauss comes in, that's the superior that is brought in to now reign in the team, so to speak. I did not remember him at all. And again, pleasantly surprised. The the dynamic between the team, even when he comes in, I really like. I liked him as a character. He's got a cool design. He, right at first, it was almost like, oh God, this guy's like a cheat code because he can do everything that they need him to do to advance the story. But that to me, quickly dissipated. Like after he was able to bring back that tooth fairy creature, 
um, and open the door, I was like, oh my God, like everything that they need, this guy's somehow going to be able to do. And there's no stake. There's no tension. Um, that vanished pretty quickly. So I was happy to see that. But what were your thoughts on him? Cause I didn't remember him at all. Yeah. So again, I think the creature designs are really, really strong in this. You know, these are the kinds of characters that make a movie like Hellboy memorable and special and, and quirky and fun. Um, you, you know, this, this sort of thing where it's, you know, it's his ectoplasm kind of like stored in a glass bowl, but he can uh, release it and have it come out and, and do different things with it. Um, I thought it was really well executed overall. The suit was kind of cool. It had that, you know, vintage diver sort mm-hmm. of thing, but, but not, you know, this movie really kind of leans into some antediluvian style, um, concepts, you know, particularly like the golden army, you know, everything is mechanized. If you've played Skyrim, it's going to feel very dwarven. And yeah. Things work. Um, it, it feels like that sort of, you know, uh, technology that comes from an ancient period of time, where, but it shouldn't exist at that period of time. Like there's so many of those elements, a little bit of steampunk, um, and it's really well executed and, and just a good time. And I really liked the character of Krauss. I thought he was, I thought he was well-voiced, which uh, I just discovered recently. His voice was done by Seth MacFarlane of uh, Family Guy fame, who does most of the voices on Family Guy. It's, it's such a talented voice actor. Like he just um, probably one of the best that's out there really just with, with his depth and his range and his ability I also liked with Krauss in terms of him as a character that he wasn't just your stereotypical new sheriff in town sort of guy. Mm-hmm. later on the movie. He, he, you know, he catches them trying to steal a plane to go on the mission and he's like, yeah, go ahead. I'll come to mm-hmm. you, you know? And, and I sort of liked that about him that it wasn't just the kind of the stereotypical um, character that we've seen in that sort of role. Before. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, I liked him a lot. I did like the fact that, you know, he was willing to to go along. I like the fact, too, that he wasn't just, you know, when he was talking to Hellboy and they have their little, um, you know, fight against each other. I like that he wasn't just talking to him to, like, reprimand him. He was trying to, like, teach him a lesson, so to speak. It wasn't just, like, I'm in charge. There's more behind him actually you know, talking to Hellboy and being like, yeah, you don't want to hear what I have to say because you can't take criticism. Um, I actually liked that about him a lot. I thought he was, I thought he was really, really well done. Um, I'm, I'm up in the air. I, I guess I should say there were three things about this movie that I wasn't quite sure about. I'm not sure how I feel about the sister. I didn't think whoever portrayed her um i wasn't that impressed i didn't think she acted all that well um i don't know rob how do you why don't you talk about that and how do you feel about her because i was i was up in the air for sure she's a little princess in a castle for me um you know i i didn't particularly find her very deep um you know kind of We've seen this. Um, I guess the the one caveat to that is when she takes her own life, uh, knowing that she's linked to her brother, which that part I was a little unclear on because that dude's been getting his butt kicked in a variety of different fights. You know, he comes out on top in most of these, but she never suffered any damage. Like, 
I don't know. Kind of, it's funny that I made a transformer reference earlier because once again, I'm finding like another transformer reference here. Like when when they had the cube and they could have just shoved it in right. Megatron and just ended the whole thing before any of those fights happened. Like they could have just done that. Like she easily could have just been like, "Well, here's a cyanide pill. Bye, everyone. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna end this all." Um, so that to me, I thought was a little weak because it's not really established that that's how that works until pretty much right when they need it to be their, their, you know, saving the day kind of moment. So that was a little weak to me. And I, I don't know. She didn't really do much. Yeah. Well, she gets that, that cut on her face when, um, their, their father's killed, but yeah, it's not very clear if it's just like actual, like physical damage, but I would count physical damage as getting punched. So like, and like Abe even says it, like if you hurt him, you're going to hurt the princess. And he's like, Oh, I'm not going to kill him. I'm going to kick his ass. But Abe says that earlier in the film too. And it's like, wait, you were, you got punched a couple times. Like you would think you would see her like taking a shot or something like that. And like actually reacting to it. Um, but you do, you don't see that. And then one other thing with like their actual connection is he can find her in, you know, the, the secret headquarters, but he can't actually pinpoint where the book is. Like, wouldn't you by like touching her or just like, I don't know, like, how could you find her in that secret headquarters, which Abe was like, there's no way he'll find you. Don't worry about it. He does. And, and how did you not know that he, he could find her? I'm like, listen, you can't have me here. I'll find her. Right. He'll find where we are. Like, I don't know. The, there's so much of that twin dynamic that I think really needed more explanation or they just needed to scrap a lot of it because it's not effective. Uh, you know, and the, like he, he says, that, well, I'm not going to kill him. Okay. When you are swinging a, a large, sharp object at neck height yeah. with full force... How is that not your intention? Mm-hmm. Like every time he's swinging that sword, it's at death below speed and yes. power and at an angle that would kill instantly, would decapitate that. It's almost like any fights in a movie like this where it's like, even when they're training, it's it's like if somebody misses, the partner's dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that was a little weak. I thought... <laughs> You know, you you probably still could have the same movie if he doesn't have a sibling. You know, he could have been the only son that went into exile because he didn't agree with his father's decision. And I think this movie still would have, but you know, been the same. Um, you know, I, I I don't think her her sacrifice just falls completely flat, but I do think you could have gotten to the end of the movie without it. Um, I think you might have lost a little bit of something with Abe, though. Yeah. I think him showing an interest in her, there's there's some moments that are particularly funny. Um, I, I do like uh, when the guys are drinking beer mm-hmm. together and singing love songs. It's it's hysterical, it's absurd, and it's fun. And it's you know the kinds of things that we want in a Hellboy movie. I, I sort of like that. Um, if you get rid of her, you got to change something up towards the end with why they're actually bringing the, the final piece to the, the, the meetup. Um, but you do like, you do get rid of a trope from the first movie that I hate. It's not as obvious here, 
but it's once again like, okay, you know, I will kill the person you love if you don't bring me the thing that's going to destroy the world. Like, all right, so Matt, I need you to do me a favor. Yes. If, if there's ever a scenario where my life is in your hands deciding on if you will, you know, bring the final piece of the engine that's shooting the blue light into the sky that we see in like every movie mm-hmm. ever that's going to wipe out all of the world or enslave all of humanity or else I die. Just do me a favor and say something nice to my kids. <laughs> don't bring the final piece of the engine that's shooting the blue light into the sky that's going to enslave humanity. Just don't do it. All right. Just don't all right. I, I promise you. I, I, prom- I, I promise. I <laughs> promise. Like just, I hate this trope, and we've seen it in both movies now. Yeah, I, I think it's, and sometimes it really does work. But again, like, like a lot of things, when you stop and think about it, you're like, there's no way. I just can't imagine a scenario where somebody would say, "Okay, one person, I have to make this choice that will cost the lives of." hundreds of thousands if not millions of people by doing this I mean, it is it is exactly what cap did with vision and in, uh infinity yeah that's true it really is like i i just i don't know it, it yeah but anyway um <laughs> you know again i i do want to say though uh, i like the fights in this movie i think those are fun i love you know, the style in which um, pretty much all of them are done. When they're supposed to be physical, they felt physical, like between Wink and Hellboy. When they needed to feel a little bit more acrobatic, I thought they did a really good job of changing up, you know, what the fights looked like in, you know, in each part of the movie. I I was really impressed with that. You know, uh, there's a lot of um, Wushu-inspired fights you know a lot of the movement style for Nuwata you know that's that's really where a lot of that you know particularly the spear work is is very much inspired by you know Chinese style martial arts and and you really see so many cool fights in this movie you know that the fight in the throne room is really cool um you know you get a really cool fight between Abe and the ogre I particularly like that um you know, the uh, even something as, as odd and, and unique as when Hellboy gets beat up by the lockers when when <clears throat> um, Strauss is out of his suit and he, he, you know, puts his his essence or whatever it is into the lockers and you just see those doors opening and closing like that's really clever. We haven't seen that before. And it's it's really funny and effective. Um, and then when we get to the end um, and, and we get the fight between Nuada and, and Hellboy, it's 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 well done and and i've always been partial to to kung fu fights you know i i've always i always love them when they're well executed and i thought there was some really good stuff here yeah no i definitely thought there was a lot um a, a lot good with this which was also you know based on that the reception it did make money you know we kind of talked about how it was odd that there wasn't a third one um obviously there was the third hellboy movie but not in the same continuity as these two um, cause you know, this movie certainly leaves, you know, left it open for there to be a third movie. Um, which is weird that, that we never got it. Um, but that's a different story. Um, Rob, what else, what else about this movie 
were you surprised about, if anything? Because one one other thing that I was surprised um, in this movie was the fact that I actually thought the... I'm trying to think of how to phrase this correctly. Um, it, it was... Again, I'll, I'm kind of going against what I said in the beginning here, but towards the end... I did like the fact that it actually felt like there was some growth between Liz and Hellboy. And I was surprised basically at the end, how that scene kind of worked with the angel of death saying that she'll save Hellboy. But, you know, obviously we know he's supposed to bring like the destruction of the world. I was surprised by that because again, I, at, at the beginning I was like, why do we have to see this kind of like, tension between him and Liz. So I was surprised when I actually felt like emotion for her telling him that, you know, he's going to be a father. They're going to have a baby. Um, and you know, her just obvious commitment to saving him. I, I was surprised at how quickly it turned around and actually made me root for them. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things, the world we live in kind of wants everybody to fit into a box. You're either in the, you know, this box or that box. And there's, there's no in-between. And yet I, I actually really think that there is a lot of in-between for a lot of people. And it, it's one of those things where multiple things can be true at the same time. Perhaps at the beginning of the movie, the, the way they presented their relationship didn't work initially. And, and on subsequent rewatches, it still doesn't really work. However, within the confines of the way they wrote this movie, by the time they get to that, um, you know, that particular scene does work. So there's, it can be multiple things at once. You can still have, you can probably still get some growth from their relationship without necessarily having them, you know, already kind of like, I don't know, you know, they're like bad roommates really at the beginning of the movie is, is really what it feels like. And it's, it's not what we want. You know, we wanted to see where that, where that went and we wanted to see it grow in a positive way, you know, positive and negative, I guess, but it just seems like just kind of, you know, Hellboy's the, the, unclean roommate i guess and that's like and that's a problem for the tidy roommate and that's i don't know it's not it doesn't make for a great movie yeah no i i, I totally agree uh with that point i think that was a pretty good way to to summarize that up but overall again just it's funny because these movies i feel were, were kind of forgotten and i you know i certainly kind of forgot about these movies um in terms of what happened in them. And I, I'm really glad that we went back and watched these two because they're, they're fun. Um, which was my biggest takeaway was, you know, they might not be great. You know, it, not everything has to be great cinema with like, Oh my God, what a deep, meaningful, impactful story. And it makes me think about my life or anything like that they just have to be fun. And that's the biggest takeaway from these two movies is they are fun overall. Um, and he's a fun character. Yeah. I mean, just even something simple as we see him enjoying a shower. Mm -hmm. Now who, who out there listening to this can honestly say, unless you're, unless you're not of age or you shouldn't have alcohol and you made that decision, you know, hey, yeah. make your, make your choices correctly. But who out there cannot say that there's not something magical about a shower beer on a hot summer day? Like it's, it's epic. You should try the shower beer if you never have. Like it just seems. <laughs> you know, there's there's not a lot that I. We we talk about a couple of things that we 
we really dislike, but most of the movie really does work. There is one other thing I kind of want to touch on that, that I think is kind of my last thing that doesn't particularly work for me. It's the moment where the cops, uh, you know, tell Hellboy, Hey, put your arm, put your hands up or whatever, drop the weapon. And it's like, you, you can clearly see this guy was fighting against the bad guy. Like you could, you can tell that this guy was trying to protect everyone. He, you know, he had the baby. He was, he was trying to keep the baby safe. Um, perhaps he could have figured out something else to do besides just hold it with his tail in the air. Like there's some other ways he could have done that, but like, I thought that was a little weird, but like everyone, everyone watched him fight the big threat. It's pretty clear he's not the bad guy. And it feels like that's in there just, I don't know, to, to add conflict, add tension, to, you know, add a, a challenge for him or an obstacle in his way. And it, it really, I don't know, that, that, that did, just didn't work well. No, that is 100% accurate. I, I kind of forgot about that until you mentioned it, where, yeah, you see him fighting, you see him, you know, trying to, you know, protect humans. And, like, even when he, like, comes down and hands the mom the baby, like, the baby's fine, and she's like, what did you do to my baby? And it's like, uh, kept it alive. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it really was like uh what what did you think you like what does everybody think they just witnessed because i know what i saw and what everybody in that area would have clearly seen was hellboy protecting everybody that was around there and again it it doesn't line up with the scene of where he's first exposed, everybody's like, Hey, Hellboy over here. And like, they're putting the microphone right in his face. Like that definitely did, did not add up. And I, I kind of forgot about that part. Um, but yeah, no, that was the one other thing that I was just like, Oh, manufactured tension. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's funny because the, that those kind of moments really do, stand out because so much else of the movie is mm -hmm. fun a good time and really enjoyable yeah no i i definitely agree so uh the, i've recapped my thoughts on it is is there anything else that you need to you know talk about with this movie before we're going to get into our review no let's uh let's grab some all right well uh, with popcorn time, we're going to rate this movie here out of five buckets. And Rob, I will let you go first. And the, the first Hellboy, uh, we both rated the same. Uh, three and a half buckets. Where, where does Hellboy 2 fall? Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and make a prediction that we're going to have the same ranking again. Um, for me, this is four out of five. Um, this is a lot of fun. It's better than the first. It improves on the first in a lot of ways almost makes you really sad that we never got a third film of these characters um, because there really is a lot that could have been done. This could have, this could have spun off into anthology films. Which, I mean, I'd watch an, a mm -hmm. I mean, would you watch? I would. Movie? I like him a lot. Imagine a spy thriller with. Yeah. Him. Could I? Absolutely. Him? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, I do a team up with him and Kraus for God's sakes. Like I, I'd watch that. Too. Like, a buddy cop. Yeah, seriously. Abs absolutely. I'll take it. So, yeah. So it improves on a lot of things. Um, it's a lot of fun. It, it Maybe these movies don't get remembered as well as they should. I, I think that's probably true. 
Um, it's weird. It's quirky. It's a good time. If you haven't seen it in a while, you should watch it. Um, it's not streaming right now. Anymore, no. By the way, um, which is weird. So yeah, you, you got to do a little bit of work to get it or, or, you know, buy it or rent it or something like that. But um, if you haven't seen it in a while or you've never seen it and you're just kind of listening to this review um, just because you were always curious about it and, and wanted to hear, um, it's it's worth checking out. It really is. Yeah, no, I agree. And our review uh, score is exactly the same. I give this four as well. And it was not like it, as soon as this movie was done, I thought about it for a minute and I immediately said, this is a four. It does improve on the first one. Um I, I think it is, you know, not only does it improve on the first one, I like it more than the first one. Because sometimes, even though a sequel can improve on the first one, you might still just like the original more um, for whatever reason. But I, I think this one gives you more to offer. Uh, I like the dynamic between the characters for the most part. And a, and a four is absolutely uh, where I landed uh, for this movie. Now, again, I just... Same uh, same statement. I, I cannot believe we did not get a third movie out of this. For everything that got sequels and for everything that got made, I was, I've was i always been surprised that this did not get a third movie, especially given the people involved wanted it to happen. Um, it's And what's funny is like, you think, and I was really thinking about this as I was watching this because I was, you know, again, this was the first time I'd seen it. I was really enjoying it going, wow, I, I like this more than the first. And I'm starting in my head to think like, how many sequels can you think of where the second film or how many film series can you think mm-hmm. of the second film is better than the first? We just did the Jason Bourne series. So that's one that comes to mind. Um, I don't have a lot of other films I can think of where the second one is, is definitely better than the first uh, and regarded i mean i think a lot of people regard godfather 2 as maybe the greatest movie of all time uh, you know you could say that one i guess but uh, not jurassic park 2 not for sure yeah no absolutely so a, a little sad that we never got the third one um now going into the next one that we'll review rob before we wrap this up uh, remind me again, is this one that you have seen or will the, the 2019 version of Hellboy be the first time you've watched it? It will be the first time. I've All right. It, it will be, I remember watching it very, very early when it came out. Um, not like the first week. Cause I, I can't remember exactly how this came out. Um, because was this movie do you remember was it one of those streaming ones because of covid no i think it was it was pre okay i couldn't remember but i do remember seeing this like fairly early so maybe i did go to the theater or something i i can't remember exactly but it has been a you know i it came out in 2019 so it's been three years since i have seen it um so this is going to be fresh to me too so it'll be interesting to see if my thoughts have changed on it, because I certainly had an opinion when I first watched it. Um, but that'll do it for Hellboy 2, uh, The Golden Army. So, Rob, sign us off here. Uh, how do listeners get in contact with the show so that way they can, not one, listen to any reviews that they would like to, and two, take advantage of the giveaways that we've got going on? Yeah, so all kinds of great stuff available, and that uh, those Maverick uh, offers are, are pretty cool from from a movie that you really should see. 
Uh, you can email the show at mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. That's just the initials for Matt Goes to the Movies at gmail.com. Any feedback you have is always appreciated. It's always great to hear from listeners, particularly the international listeners. Hey, hello, how are you? Thank you for downloading the show. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, for the domestic listeners, also, thank you. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, you should always subscribe to the show. That way you get notifications when new episodes drop. The month of November is going to be very busy here at Matt Goes to the Movies headquarters. So uh, super excited for everything going on here. Uh, but definitely subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything going on. Email the show, anything you've got. If you can think of a sequel that was significantly better than the first movie, uh, tell us which ones we missed. Um, we would love to hear from you. You can also drop those on the Facebook page and the official Facebook group. Plus, the show is also available on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Pretty much everywhere you are on the internet, you can also find Matt Goes to the Movies. Very, very well said. So, thank you listeners so much for joining us. We look forward to bringing you more reviews, and we will see you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.